Welcome to the Kotke Ride Home for Monday, January 11th, 2021. I'm Jackson Bird. It's time for two writers to pay up on a 25-year-old bet about whether tech would destroy civilization. Tim Berners-Lee's new quest to transform the web into the one he envisioned when he created it. And how the most recent COVID-19 stimulus bill created a new national park, and also may reveal previously classified government research on UFOs? Here are some of the cool things from the news today. In 1995, Wired's executive editor Kevin Kelly confronted writer Kirkpatrick Sale about his book Rebels Against the Future. Kelly, from Wired, was a techno-optimist, believing that progress, emerging tech, hackers, and entrepreneurs would solve all the world's ills. Sale, the writer, was anti-technology, to the point that he claimed humankind had been going downhill since we started hunting large animals. In theory, he was a paleolithic purist. Mostly, he called himself an anarcho-communalist and proposes what he calls human-scale society, small communities that are basically self-sufficient without outside interference, especially from technology. Around the time the story starts, he was fairly well known for smashing computers with sledgehammers at public events. And when Kelly from Wired went to interview Sale at his apartment in 1995, he confronted him on a number of his beliefs. Quoting a recent article, also from Wired, In the final pages of his latest book, Sale had predicted society would collapse within not more than a few decades. Kelly, who saw technology as an enriching force, believed the opposite, that society would flourish. Baiting his trap, Kelly asked just when Sale thought this might happen. Sale was a bit taken aback. He'd never put a date on it. Finally, he blurted out, 2020 seemed like a good round number, end quote. Yes, 2020. Sale predicted civilization would collapse in 2020. But what exactly did he think would cause this collapse? Quoting again, Sale extemporaneously cited three factors. An economic disaster that would render the dollar worthless, causing a depression worse than the one in 1930, a rebellion of the poor against the moneyed, and a significant number of environmental catastrophes. End quote. Woof, getting a little too accurate for comfort there. But of course, techno-optimist Kelly didn't know how bad things would get in two and a half decades, so he decided to make a bet. He bet Sale $1,000 that civilization would not even be close to the kind of disaster Sale had described. They shook on it and left a $1,000 check each in the safe hands of their mutual book editor. Fast forward 25 years and the reckoning has come. Sale and Kelly got back in touch a few years ago to make sure they were both still in and finalize the terms of their agreement. Their old mutual editor, Bill Patrick, who had held on to the checks this whole time, would be the ultimate judge, and they would both submit written defenses of their positions. Kelly's a four-page essay specific to the bet, and Sales, a book he published last year called The Collapse of 2020. And Patrick would have to wait until December 31st, 2020, to make a decision. So, what did Patrick decide? Well, first, he acknowledges that the terms of the deal could have been a bit more sophisticated given both men's expertise, but they largely came up with them in the moment and have to stick to their guns, so that's what he was going with. And since Sale listed out three separate causes as allegedly leading to the collapse of society, Patrick decided to judge them on those three pillars. 
Now, seeing as all three men are still around and you are listening to the story via a medium and likely with audio technology that didn't exist in 1995, I think we can all agree that society did not collapse. However, Kelly argued that we'd be nowhere close to it, and, well, that does bear a bit more examination. On the matter of economic collapse, Patrick ruled, quote, Sale predicted flatly that the dollar and other accepted currencies would be worthless in 2020. Patrick points to the Dow at 30,000 and the success of new currencies, such as Bitcoin. Not much contest here, Patrick writes, round goes to Kelly, end quote. Though I will point out, as Wired does, Sale predicted a depression worse than 1930, and per Wired, income inequality is the worst it's been since before the Great Depression. But hey, that's kind of splitting hairs, and Bill Patrick was the only judge here, not me or Wired, so moving on to global environmental disaster. Quoting again, Kelly tried to argue that despite worsening climate change, people are still living their lives pretty much as usual. If this is a disaster, that's not evident to Earth's 7 billion inhabitants, Kelly wrote in his four-page argument. But Patrick isn't convinced. With fires, floods, and rising seas displacing populations, bugs and disease heading north, ice caps melting and polar bears with no place to go, as well as the worst hurricane season and the warmest year on record, it's hard to dispute that we are at least close to global environmental disaster, Patrick wrote in his final decision. This one is sales. End quote. And the final, now tie-breaking point, the war between the rich and the poor. Quote, Sales book cites devastating statistics on income inequality and the frayed social fabric. If he had written this book after the pandemic, the picture would be even worse. But are the classes at war? Patrick notes that in the decades since Kelly and Sale made the bet, breathtaking economic development has reshaped China and India, among other countries. On the other hand, he points to undeniable social unrest even in the United States with Trumpites taking to the streets with semi-automatic weapons and massive protests against police abuses. He calls this round a toss-up, with an edge to sale, end quote. So, just about a tie. But in the end, we're still here, and not quite as close to collapse as it may seem some days, so Kelly ultimately won the bet. Both Patrick and Wired point out, though, that it's not really a cause for celebration. We're much closer to collapse than most people, other than Kirkpatrick's sale, probably thought we would be at this point. And while Kelly's optimism seems to only have grown, despite his massive blindsight on, quote, tech companies' reckless use of power, or their shortcomings in solving and sometimes stoking tough societal problems, end quote, Just because we haven't collapsed now doesn't mean we necessarily won't in the next 25 years. How long before true collapse remains unknown. And to add to the unsatisfying conclusion, despite Kelly graciously telling Sale to send his $1,000 winnings as a donation to Heifer International, Sale is refusing, saying that he rejects Patrick's judgment because in reality we are much closer to collapse than it may seem. Though I have a hard time fully believing it, I do want to live in Kelly's land of optimism, and I close with this from his defense given to Patrick, quote, In 25 years, poverty will be rare, and middle-class lifestyle the norm. War between nations will also be rare. A bulk of our energy will be renewables, slowing down climate warming. Lifespans continue to lengthen, end quote. Sounds pretty good to me. We'll just have to see what happens.
Well, even if you don't believe technology has completely heralded the collapse of civilization, there's no doubt that the internet isn't quite the purely useful tool full of wonder and possibility that many believed it to be when it first began. And now, the creator of the World Wide Web, Tim Berners-Lee, is trying to remake it into something resembling a bit more of what he had in mind three decades ago. Specifically, giving individuals greater control over their personal data. As Daniel Weitzner, a principal research scientist at the MIT Computer Science and Artificial Intelligence Lab, put it, quote, Tim has become increasingly concerned as power in the digital world is weighted against the individual, end quote. And Berners-Lee, quoting New York Times, believes the online world has gone astray. Too much power and too much personal data, he says, reside with the tech giants like Google and Facebook. Silos is the generic term he favors instead of referring to the companies by name. Fueled by vast troves of data, he says, they have become surveillance platforms and gatekeepers of innovation. End quote. So he aims to create technology that will restore the balance of power in favor of the individuals and not the silos. Quoting again from the Times, Pods, personal online data stores, are a key technical ingredient to achieve that goal. The idea is that each person could control his or her own data. Websites visited, credit card purchases, workout routines, music streamed, in an individual data safe, typically a sliver of server space. Companies could gain access to a person's data, with permission, through a secure link for a specific task, like processing a loan application or delivering a personalized ad. They could link to and use personal information selectively, but not store it. Mr. Berners-Lee's vision of personal data sovereignty stands in sharp contrast to the harvest and hoard model of the big tech companies. But it has some echoes of the original web formula, a set of technology standards that developers can use to write programs and that entrepreneurs and companies can use to build businesses. He began an open-source software project, Solid, and later founded a company, Inrupt, with John Bruce, a veteran of five previous startups, to kickstart adoption. Inrupt's initial business model is to charge licensing fees for its commercial software, which uses the solid open-source technology, but has enhanced security, management, and developer tools. The Boston-based company has raised about $20 million in venture funding, end quote. And they're running a number of pilot programs, including with the UK's National Health Service and with the government of Flanders in Belgium. Their endgame is a decentralized marketplace, quote, fueled by personal empowerment and collaboration, end quote. There's a bit of skepticism regarding their success. Similar ventures have failed in the past because the software has been a bit intimidating to your average non-tech person, and some say Inrupt may be too academic and suffer from similar challenges. But public awareness of the need for data protection and rights is growing fast. And as Bruce Schneier, a computer security and privacy expert working with Inrupt, says, quote, This technology could unlock an enormous amount of innovation, potentially becoming a new platform as the iPhone was for smartphone apps, he said. I think this stands a good chance of changing how the internet works. Oddly, Tim has done it before. End quote.
Apart from $600 checks to all eligible Americans, the 5,600-page COVID-19 relief bill that was recently passed was stuffed with a number of items totally unrelated to COVID-19 relief. This often happens, especially with end-of-the-year spending bills, with lawmakers kind of rolling a ton of things into one giant bill that most likely not everyone voting will even have had time to read completely. And among the additions this time, reaffirming the rights of Tibetans to choose a successor to the Dalai Lama, repealing laws that make it a crime to misuse certain emblems like Smokey Bear, approval for two new Smithsonian museums, the Women's History Museum and the National Museum of the American Latino, and a measure requiring the Pentagon to release information about their UFO task force within the next six months. Now, that last one is apparently a long time coming, and it may yet still be due to the web of bureaucracy around it, but somehow the need for transparency around UFO intelligence snuck its way into the stimulus bill, as did the creation of a new national park. New River Gorge in West Virginia was previously classified as a national river, but with its expansion of trails and amenities for hiking and picnicking now spanning 73,000 acres, state senators submitted a national parks proposal in October of 2019 that has now, thanks to the stimulus bill, finally been formally approved. Being a national park can come with certain privileges, protections, and longer-term perks for the region. Part of the environmental protection it receives means that it can't be bought by private companies, and this bill grants the National Park Service permission to bid on surrounding land to add to the preserve. And while some local hunters are disappointed that this now means some of the parkland is no longer approved for hunting, the West Virginia Tourism Board is thrilled. Being designated as a national park lends legitimacy to travelers looking for a place to visit, and Appalachia has increasingly relied on outdoor recreation and tourism for their economy in recent years. So add New River Gorge National Park and Preserve to your list of places to travel to when it's safe, and thank the stimulus bill for this formal anointing. That is all for today. As always, this show was produced by Ride Home Media and Cocky.org. I am Jackson Bird, and I am going to go finally get my Smokey Bear merchandise company up and running. I hope you have a great rest of your day, and I will talk to you again tomorrow.